0: the FBC Natchez Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Martin, and we have a wonderful show planned for you today. Uh, There's no one with me in the studio today. It's just me. So uh, I've got a wonderful topic to talk to you about uh, on marriage Many of you know that 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 topic is very dear to my heart, dear to my wife's heart as well. She'll be on the show a few times, and we'll be discussing some of these marriage issues with each other and kind of wrestle through some of them uh, and talk about them and maybe even give, hopefully give some helpful uh, comments and helpful things that you can do practically in your own marriage to make things better for you and your spouse and in hopes that you would please and honor the Lord. We're just going to dive right in, and and I've got this little funny anecdote that I've shared many times, but I just want you to listen to it. And and about John and Susan, John and Susan went to a counselor after much heartache in their marriage. They gotten married relatively young in their twenties, and when asked what the problem was, John responded, "My wife and I were happy for twenty years." And then the counselor replied, "Well, then why did you guys come in today?" And John responded, "Then we met." And then he continued, I never knew what real happiness was until I got married. And by then, it was too late. Well, this definitely hurt Susan. She elbowed her husband and she went in this passionate, painful tirade, listing every problem that they had had in the past 20 years that they had been married. She went on and on, neglect, lack of intimacy, emptiness, loneliness, feeling unloved, unlovable, She went through this entire laundry list of unmet needs that she had endured over the course of their marriage. And then finally, after allowing this to go on for a sufficient length of time, the counselor got up, walked around the desk, and after asking the wife to stand, embraced and kissed her passionately. Well, Susan shut up and quietly sat down, and she seemed to be in some kind of daze. Well, then the counselor turned to the husband and said, this is what your wife needs at least three times a week. Can you do this? Well, John thought for a moment, and he replied, Well, I can drop her off here on Mondays and Wednesdays, but on Fridays, I fish. Now, <laughs> I don't really remember where I got that antidote from, but I use that antidote to basically open up with the fact that no one's marriage is perfect. No one has the best marriage in the world in the sense that everything is perfect, hunky-dory, that things don't go bad, that there's no problems or things like that. All of us experience some kind of problems in our relationships because of sin. Sin has made it to where that we cannot have a right relationship with one another, especially our spouse's. And so we're going to do this marriage series and, and we're going to do many episodes on marriage. And again, like I said, hopefully uh, my wife will be able to join us and we will share some of the things that we have learned over the past 15 years of marriage in hopes that we can study together God's goals and purposes for building a biblical marriage. And so it's been said that if we do not aim at a target, then we're going to miss it every time. And so we need to set a target, and then we need to aim for it. And I wonder if, if so many times in in our relationships, especially in our marriage relationships, that we're not really setting a target, we're not really aiming for anything. And so, and so we just get frustrated with each other. We don't like being around each other, or or times get tough, and we don't know how to handle things. Our sex life is not good, and things like that. And so, what we want to do is we need to set a target such as pleasing the Lord in our relationships, and then we need to aim for that target. And so I hope that the Lord will be able to use this this particular series that we will do on our podcast to to hopefully build that intimacy with your spouse and that you can live and have that marriage that you have always wanted. So why do people get married? Think about that. I don't know where you are today, whether you're riding down the road, maybe you're exercising or working out in the yard or mowing the grass, whatever it is. Just reflect on the fact, why do people get married? Why did you get married? You know, there are many reasons that people get married. One is that some people really don't want to be single. Some some of these people are in love, quote unquote, with being in love, Sometimes they think that a a marriage partner will make them content or happy. But that, again, is wishful thinking because of sin. No one can make you content. No one can make you happy but Jesus. So some people don't want to be single which is not a bad reason at all. I mean, there's, there could be worse reasons than that. Uh, we see marriage that God has designed, uh, marriage there in the first uh, opening chapters of Genesis, and Genesis chapter one and Genesis chapter two, in which he didn't want Adam to be alone, so he gave Adam Eve. So again, that's not bad. Number two, some men get married. They want to have a housekeeper and a cook. And they maybe want to have someone like mom. Some girls get married for protection and security. Some women want a dad. Third, some people want to get married for economic reasons. Um, Some people want to get married just so they can have sex because they may feel guilty about having sex before marriage. So they want to have sex. My favorite, though, is that some people want to get married thinking that their mate will change or that they can even change their mate. And some women marry expecting their husband to change and he doesn't. Some men marry expecting their wife to, not to change, and she actually does. So there are many reasons why people get married, and there's some that are good, and, and then there's some that are not so good. And so why even get married? I can remember when Millie and I first started dating and, you know, we were all uh, Twitter-pated. If you've ever seen some Disney movies where they mentioned the word Twitter-pated, we were Twitter-pated in love with one another. And there were so many jokes and stories about marriage at the time. I, I can remember just some people just being really harsh about that and because I was trying to tell them, hey, I, I would like to get married, and, and, and I found this beautiful woman that I want to spend the rest of my life with, and they would just say, oh, the old boss all in chain huh or they would mention some kind of joke or story or, or really it really appeared that they were not very happy in their own marriages and they just would give all kinds of bad advice and reflect on all these stories and kind of scared me at first but i realized that that was their experience and it did not have to be my experience so god has created us to be in relationships god's created us to get married. So if God created men and women to be in relationships, to to get married, then what does this biblical marriage look like? Well, biblical marriage is an intentional union between man and woman who basically stick together permanently. And when they stick together and they pursue this biblical marriage, they want to pursue a holy relationship with God and one another. So I wonder sometimes if we're struggling in our relationships because we have forgotten what a biblical marriage looks like. We've forgotten that we can't focus on our spouse because first, we're not focusing on the Lord. And then once we focus on the Lord, we skip sp- focusing on our spouse straight to focusing on our kids or our job. And that's not good either. That's not the biblical order. It's first God. Second, spouse. Third, children. The Lord has graced you with children. Fourth, your job, family members, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. That's the way that it works. That's the way that God has designed it for you and for me. So we're going to be looking at some things uh, and kind of fleshing out this definition of biblical marriage and what it looks like about Pursuing one another in a holy relationship. And the first thing I want to mention is that marriage is intentional. When we open our Bibles and look at Genesis two, eighteen, it says, Then the Lord God said, It is not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helper fit for him. And then in chapter two, verse twenty four it says, Therefore a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. This means that your marriage has a purpose. Did you know that? That your relationship with your spouse has a purpose. It's not that just one day you woke up and decided to get married. It's not that that just you just happened to luck up on one another. Your marriage has a divine purpose. And a godly marriage consists of a couple that must be, absolutely has to be committed to fulfilling God's purposes for marriage. And so in those passages in Genesis, I think we can see at least three purposes that God has planned for our marriage. And the first one is that for companionship. In the very beginning of Genesis chapter two, verse 18, the Lord says, it's not good for man to be alone. Have you ever read the passage in Genesis 1 and chapter 1 and chapter 2 and saw the phrase, the Lord looked around and everything was good? Well, here's one spot where God said it's not good. And it's not good for man to be alone. So God created man and woman to be in a relationship. Now, not everyone will get married. I realize that. I realize that not everyone will get married. There is the gift of singleness that Paul alludes to in 1 Corinthians 7. We don't have time to go uh, into that today. That may be the topic of a future podcast, but we do realize that not everyone will get married. But for most of us, for a majority of us, we will get married. So it's for companionship. Number two, for assistance. In Genesis 2.18, God says, I will make a helper suitable for him. Now, God made Eve to be a helper, to be an assistant, to be an aid. And a good wife is one who does aid her husband and uses her abilities to assist him. She's aware of her strengths. She's aware of her weaknesses In order to know how to best use her gifts and abilities to glorify the Lord. Because you see, the reality is no one is good at living life on his or her own with no help. Even if you're single, God has designed us to be in relationships with one another in order for us to grow in our faith. You're never called to live out your life. On your own. You're never called to live this Christian life on an island, so to speak. God has designed us to be in relationships. And number three, physical union. In Genesis chapter 2, verse 24, man is united to his wife and they will become one flesh. Now, the uniting and becoming one flesh is a part of that physical union. And this physical union is the basis for procreation and sexual satisfaction. Now, there are some warnings in the Bible concerned with this physical union. For instance, 1 Corinthians 7, 3-5 says, The husband should give to his wife her conjugal rights, and likewise the wife to her husband. For the wife does not have authority over her own body, but the husband does. Likewise, the husband does not have authority over his own body, but the wife does. Do not deprive one another, except perhaps by agreement for a limited time, that you may devote yourselves to prayer, but then come back together again so that Satan may not tempt you because of your lack of self-control. And then in Hebrews thirteen four, the author says, Let marriage be held in honor among all, and let the marriage bed be undefiled. For God will judge the sexually immoral and adulterous. Our physical union together is important and a part of God's plan for marriage. We must guard and protect in order to follow God's purpose for marriage. So when we look in Ephesians chapter five, twenty-two through thirty-two, we see a beautiful picture of the gospel in relationships. Now, I realize that this is controversial, that it's not a popular topic, but the reality is that Paul says in Ephesians 5 that women are to submit themselves to their husbands, but husbands are to love their wives sacrificially. Why would Paul put those two things in there? Number one, because it's hard for women to submit to their husbands. And number two, it's hard for men to sacrifice themselves for their wives. But in that passage, we have a beautiful picture of the gospel that we're to be like Jesus because Jesus loves his bride. Jesus loves the church. And so what we have to do is we have to follow the example of Jesus. We need to make our relationships, we need to make our marriages reflect the gospel. Because every marriage reflects some kind of relationship. Your relationship may look like that you and your spouse are just business partners. You go throughout life making transactions here and there, and it's really just a, a business-type relationship. Or maybe you're listening today and you feel like your relationship with your spouse is just like having a roommate. You feel like you have to clean up for them, cook for them, and, and all you do is just live with them, but there's really no intimacy there at all. But a God-honoring marriage relationship is the only visible relationship that reflects the gospel picture of Christ and the church. So if couples will commit to being friends— helping each other out, remaining physically intimate and using their marriage as an illustration of the gospel, then you can have confidence that your marriage is heading in the right direction. And so if you're listening today and and maybe you need some help, need some prayer, then I just encourage you to call out upon the Lord, call out upon the Lord and just ask him, God bless my marriage today. Help me to be the person that I need to be to love my spouse, to bring you honor and glory. And so I thank you so much for joining us on today's podcast. We, again, appreciate that if you would like, rate, and leave us a nice review about our uh, podcast in the comments section, or especially if you go to the podcast section in iTunes or, or wherever it is you listen to, Google Play or Spotify, and just leave us a, a review and, and like and rate us there. And so on behalf of the church staff here at First Baptist Church, I just want you to know that we do love you guys. We are praying for you, and we'll talk to you next time on the FBC Natchez podcast.